Welcome, everybody. It is episode 19 of the Alarm Hockey Podcast. I'm Andrew Dewhurst. As always, I'm joined by Chris Murray. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Andrew, I am doing well. How about yourself? Oh, I can't complain. It's, uh, it is Sunday. We are in the home stretch of the sh- this shortened NHL season. Um, and uh, yeah, it's... We're basically what a month away from from the theoretical start of the playoffs, something like the, that. Theoretical, right? Yeah. Well, knowing that uh, things may get pushed back a bit with you know what's happened with Vancouver, um, with understanding the the COVID situation north of the border, it wouldn't be a surprise to see uh, things get pushed around a little bit here. Um, and when I say north of the border, I mean our our side of the border. So uh, let's get into things here. Um, So last time we talked, it was trade deadline. Uh, We've seen the fruits of that labor come out already for Washington. Uh, Anthony Manta has three goals since becoming a capital. Um, And it looked like things are all well there for, for the caps. So, I mean, you were obvious uh, when we talked. You were very much on the side of like Mantha is a thirty-plus goal scorer. Um, so I guess at this point we can consider Mantha free. He has been freed from the uh, from the depths, the the dungeonous depths of uh, the Detroit Red Wings. Um. So yeah, any anything to really add here with Anthony Mantha? Should we like? Is I mean I suppose we should expect this pace to continue, right? I I would say so. Yes, I'm, I'm going to correct you right off the bat. He has five goals in the five oh, games now absolutely. that he has showed up. Right? I know it's it's hard. I keep track of this because again, like you said, right? When he was traded, like Twitter was kind of losing their mind, going, "Oh my god!" Like Steve Eiserman just fleeced them, and I'm like, "Wait a minute!" No, he didn't. Like Stevie Y, one of the brightest minds in hockey, of course, right? But like he got the package that he got, right? And we'll, like we don't have to go over this like a million times because we already have. Like the package that he got for Mantha was really, really good. It was one that he wasn't gonna say no to, right? If you're getting all that for any player, right? Then sure, I'll make that deal. He was like, he was one of those like, I, like it, it, those fantasy leagues that you have, where one of your other owners just throws the craziest trade scenario at you, and you're like, really? Like, I like the player that I have, but you're gonna give me all this for him? Sure, I'll do it. And on the flip side, the Capitals, well, you know, they needed. I don't know if they well needed is a strong word here. I think they wanted another top scoring winger to add to their team. Because Tom Wilson is clearly not that winger, as we already know. But they needed somebody else. They wanted a player who they knew was going to be signed for a couple more seasons. I think that's important to this team, right? They don't have a bunch of cap space either, right? Actually, they have none. Uh, Ovechkin's coming up. He's going to need some money again. So the Matthew deal, again, it's a great contract. It's He's got a couple more years. He's in his prime, and he is no longer stuck in Detroit. Like... This is great. It's not surprising to see Mantha score goals. He scored again today, and he scored on the power play, which is great, right? So he's getting power play time. It gives Ovechkin a little bit of freedom on his side to kind of just, you know, exist a little bit more, which is good as well. But 
I love Manta, and I, I'm gonna. I've loved him now for a while, right? Like, I to to me, if he can just stay healthy, man, like he can, he can really score. He's proven he can do it. We know he can. Like, it's not no nobody's sitting there going, oh, can Anthony Manta score goals? Like he he can. He's a big winger, which is what teams love, and he's got one of those shots that just it, it does stuff. It, it, he can score goals. So I'm not surprised that he's off to this absolute tear. I expect him to, I don't expect him to score every game that he's, oh, you know, until the end oh, of the wow. season. But I think this is a much needed piece to the Washington Capitals just to, again, solidify their top six. And I'm going to pencil down Mantha, barring injuries next season, for 35. And that's it. Well, Okay, um, let me put this, take this question, and let's put a little perspective onto it. So, we let's say even if he does score, he scores in the Capitals' remaining, what, eight games? Something like that. Um, where do you think Mantha gets drafted next year? And where do you think he should get drafted next year? Because this is, I mean, right. This is what I think people are going to realistically look at. Yahoo rankings or ESPN rankings? Because we know they're real life. Real life. Let's let's throw throw that stuff out the window. Let's say you're you're playing in a standard standard points league. Uh, We'll we'll say a Yahoo standard points league because that's what we track our rankings on already on Fantasy Alarm. So goals, assists, power play points, um, shots, blocks. Where do you I think? think? I think where he so at if if I remember correctly, coming into this season, he was being taken out or close to around one twenty five overall, or just outside of that. I think now going to Washington, I think realistically where he should be going is inside the top seventy five or around that range seventy five. So if you're in a ten team league. In the seventh round, that's probably where you're starting to take a look at him. I think if you're in a specific position eligibility of it, I think Mantha has both sides, left and right. So that adds a little bit of extra value to him. I would have no problem. I think the farthest I'd reach for him is the 60th overall pick. Just because if you can get... so. If you can get a player, how many players are you getting? Again, let's go with a just a 10-team league, which we know not a lot of like a lot of people play still. In a 10-team league, if you're the 60th overall player off the board, that's the sixth round. Right. How many 35 goal scorers can you find in the sixth round? Uh well. None. None. Well, and fair. I mean, that's again, six, like that's as far as I go. I think he's more of a seventh, again, ten team league, more of a seventh round player. That's probably where he's going to go. And if some look, if somebody wants to crazy reach on him, by all means, go ahead. But I'm not like because don't forget, once you get into those middle rounds, right, three to about six, you're starting to look at right. Maybe you want to finish out if you're early on goalies like I am, you're probably getting your second goalie here, right? Another top tier goalie that you want on your team. You're probably looking at maybe adding a second top tier defenseman if you can get one at that point. So 
you've gone two forwards in probably early. You you got maybe one or two goalies. You maybe got a defenseman already if you're balancing out your team. Like that's probably where Mantha goes at that point. That's probably where I would be looking because he was going, like he was going. I he should have been going in 125. I got him in one league. Him and Rust. I mean, they were just he. They they were both falling. I think I got them outside the top 150, and I thought it was a joke. I did because again, player like fantasy hockey is about players scoring goals and racking up points in standard points leagues, right? If you're playing categories leagues and you need players to do a lot of different things, but you know, you can fill out categories later on in the draft, right? I don't spend much time worrying about, you know, does this player throw enough hits, right? I focus on players who do hockey scoring things because that's what most of those leagues are. And then I'll target, you know, your defenseman who kind of, you know, block a lot of shots or defenseman who throw a lot of hits and kind of complement that that part of my lineup or a player later on who can do all that fun stuff as well, right? So uh, I pulled up the the rankings that I did for points leagues. I had Mantha as the 40th highest forward last year. That's and that's far. a little... Certainly. Uh, likely the boldest of rankings. Uh, the reasoning, obviously came from like Mantha was a beast in Detroit last year and people forgot about it because he got hurt so he only played 42 games I believe no sorry he played 45 games um but there was a pretty tear right there was a stretch of like he ended up with 25 points in 45 games but there was a pretty good stretch of time there where he was a a, yeah where he was just unstoppable and it was like, all right, this is like this guy's a dude. Um, and so I ranked him that way. I ranked him as like he's healthy. I don't like uh, some of it was my overestimation on what I thought Dylan Larkin was. Uh, and at this point has largely proven that he isn't. But um, I mean, we were still I mean, I was still pretty high on Mantha coming into this year. I don't think. To be fair to his situation moving into next year, I think he won't be able to see 40 because the the time on ice isn't going to be there. Like he's going to be a 16, 17 minute type of guy playing on the second line with, with the Capitals. He's not, I mean, for him to get anywhere close to top 50, he's going to have to be seeing top power play time because... You know, you got to make up those power play points and that's not there. And those are things that he no longer has that he did have in Detroit is 20 minutes a night plus all the power play time. So um, he also has to compete with Ovechkin, right? Let's not forget Ovechkin is still the he doesn't necessarily compete for him with him, but but on the power play, he's like Ovechkin's the guy who shoots the puck, right? right? So but I mean, at the same time. Rebounds are a real thing. He's a big dude, not necessarily probably the easiest person to move out of the front of the net. And you're going to get some easy goals hanging around there. So, um, is that where you think they'll operate him though, closer to the front of the net? I, I mean, they could use him in the bumper situation if they wanted to, but I don't think that's not really how they run their power play. But, um, they could. Here's the thing. So, so he's not playing top power play minutes yet. But again, I'm assuming at one point they're going to move maybe. Oh, she or Kuznetsov off there. I think they should play him on the other half wall 
right? So you got Ovechkin in his spot there. And then you should play him literally on the opposite side, have John Carlson play at the top, kind of have the, you know, the umbrella at the top. Uh, I would put the Backstrom closer to the net just because he's the guy who can facilitate the puck, right? So once you get down low, and I'd put, I guess you could put Oshie in the bumper spot. I mean, he's got a pretty good shot, right? He could kind of take that role on pretty well. I want both my shooters. I know it's weird, right? Kind of say that, like, to, to be a little bit away from the net. But, like, they have... Ovechkin, we know, has a shot. That's not a question. And Mantha, I know, can shoot the puck as well. So you want these... These guys are going to find clean spots on those sides. And you also want to open them up to the one-timer, right? So if you can start crossing the path, crossing those pucks, right? cross box or if Carlson can start just laying these things out for both these players on either one of his side to just absolutely rip it at the net. Like I'm very much okay with that. And then you have, like I said, Backstrom just kind of, you know, patrolling the bottom of that zone and just controlling everything that's down low. And it gives you a ton of space to work with this, this power, this power play for the Washington Capitals can really be something. Yeah. So, um, we'll see how that stuff plays out, right? Um, the other thing that will be really interesting for Mantha is that, I mean, we assume it's a foregone conclusion that Ovechkin's back next year, right? right. It'd be hard to imagine him taking his ball and going somewhere else, right? Um, Unless somebody throws him a dumb amount of money. Which isn't going to happen, to be fair, right? Like. I I, I would be shocked if they did. I think the Capitals will do what they need to do to to find the cap space to work with it as well. And I guess it goes out to Ovechkin as well, wanting to, you know, hey, does he want to help his team, right? Stay competitive. Well, to or be fair, right? does he, he could, want to take money? I think he could do, essentially do a LeBron James here if he wanted. Just start signing one-year deals, right? Yeah. Like, he's paying, like... It's a $10 million deal today, you can, so which means he can sign from the same amount of money next year, and Capitals have pretty much already had the cap space for that. You could say, like, hey, Alex, can you can you drop it down to $8 million this year? And we'll make it back up to you when it, like in some other way, because that is also a real thing that happens. Because we already know that Ovechkin wants to finish his career in Russia. He said that himself. He'd like to go back and finish playing in, in Moscow. So like he is going at some point gonna going to say like all right like I'm done here I I'm, but I assume it's like we'll see that once he can, he's shown that right. like the decline is real and we might be three four years away from that so I would think if I was him I would just keep signing those ten million dollar deals like yeah we'll do ten million dollars next year okay I'll say this though as that, much as he may want to return to Russia though like how much do you think he really wants to at least challenge Gretzky's goal scoring record if healthy and if his play continues to be at the level that it is. Uh, I, I'm sure he does, right? Like, I can't imagine not wanting to, right? So he'd have to play what another what, four years at least in the NHL, uh, brings him to about what 39? Let's see, quick math. Like, he's so. Like the Capitals' cap situation and their player signing situation is still pretty good here. Like, so Ovechkin's the only big UFA that's due, unless you consider Michael Roffle a big UFA. Uh, so they don't have to worry per se about their forward core. It's going to stay relatively the same. 
uh, barring any trades here. Defensively, right, the same thing. They got a lot of players locked up, uh, so they don't have to worry about that. Zeno Chara is the only player here that they can, I guess, entertain whether they bring him back or not on maybe another, you know, veteran league minimum. Uh, Ilya Samsonov is the only player who's an RFA who needs a pay increase. So I guess maybe that's where, you know, you can ask Ovi to, you know, if he's what he's willing to do to help the team out here, right? Cap doesn't seem like it's going up either. So they're going to have to get creative at that sense. Unless you try to move out a contract that you don't specifically think you need. And I'm thinking about, you know, Carl Hagelin at that point. You know, I don't think they move Lars Eller. They kind of need him here. Nobody's taking Tom Wilson. I mean, that's not going to happen. I don't think they move out any of their top six pieces. If anything, they kind of try to get rid of stuff down low, right? I think maybe, again, I don't know who's going to buy it, but Connor Sheary's getting a pay increase next season as well. They just re-signed him. Yeah, so. So he's not moving. I mean, to be realistic, do you think he can get past Gretzky's record? I don't think he can. Man, it's I. Th- He's got to any- average forty-one goals over the next four years of his life. Man, but like he can though. <laughs> like, uh, he can't. Like we're we we've, we've had this, this conversation yeah, about whether he can goals, or not. Forty-one goals at thirty-nine. Man, just the way that right. it's set up, though. Like, the, like he is, he's a power play machine. Right. Like, let's be honest. He he scores goals from his office and like there's nothing anybody can do about it. Right. Everybody knows where the shot's coming from. Everybody. I don't think he is the hundred point player that he used to be. He's just not racking up those assists anymore. Right. He's just he's not there. I'll give him credit. He's got 18 this season. He had 19 total last season. Right. Um. He's got 24 goals on the season, right? Can yeah. He, can, can he score 30 by the end of this season? Yeah. And 30 goals at this point in a shortened season like that, right? Let's say you play 81 games this season. Again, hypothetical. He probably scores 40, 40 plus. He challenges for the for the Rocket Richard. He, he's had a couple of down seasons in his and down seasons by... Like, he has scored 30 goals. Let's put this into perspective for a minute, okay? Like, he's never had a season where he scored less than 30 goals since coming into the NHL. Never. Ever, 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 ever. And, well. I mean, that's including a lockout season where they played 48 games. He still scored 32. Ultimately, this is what I'll say. I think it's unlikely. The most goals ever scored by a 38-year-old was Brett Hall scored 37. That's still four short of the average number based on where he's at today at 38. And he's still got to do it again at 39. I mean, Martin St. Louis did scored 30 at the same age. Uh, but that's like, those are the only two players. Oh, and, and Johnny uh, Buck. We'll say uh, my apologies to his family uh, if as I'm clearly getting his name wrong, but uh, did it in like 1973-74. I'm just saying like if I was to bet on it, I would say it's unlikely Uh, just because I mean, again, like Gordy Howe scored 39 as a 40 year old as a 39 year old. 
No one else has ever scored more than 30. But none of these <sighs> players that you mentioned are Alex Ovechkin. Very much true. But none of them. So in my mind, right? Gretzky's obviously the greatest player to ever play hockey, right? He's also the greatest goal scorer, technically. Well, right? I think I think at the end of the day, how I would probably end up phrasing this to my kids or grandkids by that time, perhaps, is that Alexander Ovechkin will be the greatest goal scorer in the history of the NHL, whether he breaks the record or not. And the reason, the reason for it is that he would have broke the record if not for losing half a season last year, losing a third at least a third of his season this year, two lockouts. He would have yeah. he would have he would have done it for sure. It wouldn't even be close. We yeah. he would probably do it at like with I mean he didn't miss the second lockout because he was dra- he he played in 05 and 06. Oh right? sorry. So he you had the shortened season in 12 uh, 2012-2013. Like you said he missed like a couple of games from last season, right? You had the shortened season this season but regardless of those games though like to me he's still the greatest goal scorer of the 21st century like he's done like that's the thing that you can't compare right you can't compare what Gretzky dealt with when he was playing hockey versus what NHL players deal with today like scoring goals in the modern NHL right now is hard it's not easy well it's moving back in the other direction right like scoring goals in the 90s and early 2000s was damn near impossible because of you know the left wing lock and and all that stuff that came in that really slowed the game down and and sucked the life out of the game at the same time we're seeing goalie pads get smaller we're seeing a lot of things happen to get more goals in the game right now which is bringing it maybe a little bit closer to the 80s style of hockey that Gretzky made look like a circus act i suppose is probably the best way to think of it like when you look at the number of points that Gretzky had in some of those years uh look at some of the points that like marlo mario lemieux had in some of those years it was just like what you guys had 200 video points? game like it was it was like playing a video game it's was, it was just like you just right. couldn't comprehend it so um that said like you can't compare eras it's not a good endeavor um there's always going to be detractors, right? There's there's reasons to say, like, well, if this guy played in that era, they would have done this, yeah. but they didn't. So you don't know, right? A lot of different things happening. I so. would still put my money on Ovechkin breaking it. Because, again, how long have people been having this conversation about him slowing down? Was what, 2016, 2017, when he scored 33 goals? And we're like, oh, okay, he's old now. That's it. He's done. And then what has he done since? Scored 49, 51, and 48. So everybody's like, okay, well, that's not happening. Like he is a he's a goal scorer. That's all like that's mostly what he does. He just he buries the puck. And if I'm yeah. gonna bet on one guy to do it, I'm gonna bet on the guy who is what? He's got like he's 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 got what eight seasons of fifty plus goals. He's got numerous Rocket Richards trophies. Like this guy scores goals. And He's going to be scoring goals as long as Nick Backstrom's feeding him the puck, right? Like, let's not get confused here. Nick Backstrom's made an excellent career off giving the puck to the, one of the greatest goal scorers to ever play this game. And that's going to continue to happen. He's going to continue to see the, right, I, I won't call them easy minutes, but they're easier power play minutes, right? Because he just spends two minutes on the power play firing the puck from his office, right? And he's going to continue to score goals, right? That's not going to change. 
Um, so the thing is, though, is that like the margin for error here's gotten to be very small. It's very small, yes. And you have to remember one other thing, and that's that Father Time is undefeated. True. Um, True. He will get like he has thrown uh, the wear and tear of taking three to four hundred shots a year in your body is not none, right? No. The wear and tear of throwing two hundred hits a year is not none, right? So, um, at some point, like, and he's been very durable. Like he has, he, he has not been injured less. very often. He has played pretty he has much played a lot of hockey. Yeah, he hasn't played less than like seventy-two games in a full NHL season, right? That's like he's played eighty-two. Uh, one, two, four times in his career. Yeah. Like, he's played 79 as well, so he's like yeah, a couple of bangs some... up here and there. He's also been suspended a couple of times here and there. So like he's done like he's done his part there. He's been like physically his body has been in like he's been able to play a lot of hockey, which is obviously quite important for a player who wants to, you know, chase those types of yeah. records. Yeah, I just like with a with a margin that is that thin. You're essentially looking at like if he missed two months, it's over, right? It like, would be tough, yeah. Um, yeah, it would just if he had a thirty goal season, right? If next year he just scored thirty goals, it's all over. It's not never going to happen at that point in time. Still a great season. Still, he's far from washed up at thirty goals. But like when forty-one has to be the remaining pace, that's that's not easy to keep up at that. At, uh, I mean, how many people score four? How many players have scored 41 goals in four straight years ever in general, right? You think about that, just that as its own feat. He's, I mean, Ovechkin's done it, what, once, twice. Uh, it's done it twice. It's, it overlaps a little bit. 52 in his first four years, he scored more than 46 was the minimum. Yeah. 52, 46, 65, and 56. I, again, I think it's after. tough for him to do it, which makes kind of this record all that much more exciting, right? Because the level of play that he would have to maintain at a point in his career where like, like players right now would be declining like tremendously. They would not be able to maintain the pace that he is maintaining. And... I mean, does he have one more 50-goal season in his body? I think so. Find out? Well, yeah, well, we're going to find out. But, like, let's say next season, I don't know, he scores 48 or 49 again. Then what? Yeah, then it's and on. he's got even less goals that he needs to do it, yeah, right? So it gets more realistic. Right. So, again, it, there, there's a lot of factors that are not on his side, right? Father Time, like you said, the one. But, man, I think he's going to get at least really, really close to it. Closer than a lot of people want to think he will. Which is why I don't think he's going to leave to go to Russia. Just like he's a guy who wants to win, right? Like, I, I like people sometimes, you know, knock Russians for not wanting to win and not wanting to do like, you know, winning the Stanley Cup for him was important. He wanted to do it. I mean, the, the man partied so hard. I mean, I, it's like I thought he was going to be abducted one day. We had no idea where he went. Like, he, <laughs> like he wanted to win it and he wants to win and he wants to achieve these things like he wants to go to like he's he's already one of to me he's the greatest goal scorer to ever score goals 
at least that I got to witness literally with my own eyes, right? Like, that's what I think a lot of people don't understand, especially for people like a little bit like me, who I was like, I was literally like a kid when he got drafted, right? Like, I, was, yeah. I wasn't even old enough to buy beer. And now I'm watching this play, this legend right in front of my eyes. Like, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I like you only realize it now that you're kind of watching him. You're like, man, this guy, like this guy did something that like every single year that is almost that the that the average, not even the average player, the top tier player can't do as well. Right. Like he is he is in a whole other level. He's in a whole other level of hockey right now. There are lots of great players in the NHL. There are very, very good players. Ovechkin is the like the cream of the crop when it comes to goal scoring in the NHL. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. Right. Uh, I definitely agree with your sentiment though. Like uh, it is interesting how like age plays a part um, in that. Like I sit kind of like somewhere I'm a little bit older than you are. Um, so like, I still look back at like, the career of like a Mario Lemieux and go like he really could have been something and he was like in his time he was something else right like Mario Lemieux had 199 points in one <laughs> he came back from cancer and had like 161 points in, in his season and scored 69 goals like that's unbelievable like we we can't even fathom like imagine playing fantasy with a with somebody who had God. who can put up 200 points like Connor McDavid power. already destroys slates yeah. for us think about that Lemieux had two 31 goal seasons on the power play <laughs> oh and God. he played shorthanded he had 13 shorthanded goals in, the, in a season where he scored 31 on the power play that's are the cool. Anaheim Ducks gonna score 31 <laughs> power play goals this season right like, like as a team he scored 44, 44 goals on special teams and didn't. And by the way, he didn't win the Hart Trophy oh, that season. That's insane, right? Um, so, like, I remember, like, I think it was 92 when they when the Penguins won the Cup. No, it was 90. Yeah, it was 91, 92 when the Penguins won the Cup. And it was just like, you, you couldn't touch Lemmy. It was just, just like rookie Eddie Belfort in goal for uh for the Blackhawks did no chance. Um and then I think it was the year before that with like uh Minnesota, the Minnesota North Stars that they that they beat and it was just no contest. And those were teams that had like hockey at that time where teams just had like six Hall of Famers on the same team because you can do that because there's no salary cap. Uh, those teams also featured a very young Yarmir Yager. So, you know, the, the rich sometimes get richer. Uh, and that's obviously been the case for the Penguins over, over that period of time, too, with uh, with Crosby coming in and what he's done as kind of that torch got handed down to him in a, in a mid-market. So, I mean, Pittsburgh is a, a lucky place for, for sports fans. Um, keeping things moving... Uh, it looks like uh, Taylor Hall wants to play hockey again. So he's scoring goals. Surprise. He scored more goals in in like five days as a Bruin than he did in the entire season as a Sabre. Um, 
I don't know what this does for his market, though. So, like, I think this solidifies him as a secondary player, no doubt. It's not somebody who's who's good enough to carry a team on his own that has been established at this point in time. Um, this also cement largely cements his fantasy value. He needs to play with uh, on a team where he's not the focus, where there's no focal point that it seems to be close to him, and it looks like he can be successful. Because uh, we can't say he needs to play with top players because he played with Jack Eichel, and that didn't work. Uh, he's not necessarily playing with top players today with uh, Krejci and Craig Smith, but uh, he, he's he's in Boston. He's looks like the player that people were looking to see for the last three years. Uh, what should we expect from Taylor Hall? I mean, he wanted to go to Boston. From my understanding, that's where he was waving his no-trade clause to go. So if he wants to be there, it's going to be interesting here because I was talking about this on his, uh, earlier with uh, John and Pemba, right? About, I mean, him wanting to go there. And then at that point, well, you know, does he stay, though? And that's a whole other conversation you're going to have because yeah. let's be honest, right? Taylor Hall signed his one-year deal with Buffalo, hoping he would tear apart the league, get his 80 points, right? Even in a short season, playing with Jack Eichel, just popping goals and racking points. And obviously that has not happened. He's going to try and salvage whatever is left of this season and for his career, I guess, at this point. Because at this point, nobody's giving him the money that him and his agent are going to ask for. Nobody's coming close to it. They're not giving him a long-term deal. They're not forking over big money. Like he's not getting, you know, eight million for six years or something. Like he's he's not going to get it. So, and Boston's in no position to give out that kind of term or money. Right? They needed Buffalo to eat four million dollars on that deal just to make it happen. Right? So. I, it's going to be interesting to see how Taylor Hall wants to do this. I think it's going to be another interesting offseason for him. I don't know if he signs another one of those one-year prove-it deals, and this time, <laughs> you know, where is he going to go, right? Because, right. again, is he going to take less money to play in, Bo- and play in Boston? I don't think so, right? Mm-hmm. Not at this point where he is. He's what? He's going to turn 30? Like, you know, this is kind of the, you know, it's kind of pivotal. Last, right, This season here for him was kind of important, right? You sign that one-year deal. You know a lot of teams are dealing with a flat cap. You know you're trying to get, you know, pick up anything, right? You're going somewhere where you know that you can get points and get lots of them. And I just, I don't know what he's going to do, but it's not in his favor. I'll, I'll say that. He is not in a position. He's not going to negotiate from a position of strength. My expectation for him is probably that he would resign in Boston if things go well. Um, I think $5 is the number. Uh, five no he takes that five or six. Well, this is the deal, right? If he wants to play in Boston, he can't sign for seven. Never going to happen. Bergeron doesn't make seven. Pasternak doesn't make seven. Marshawn doesn't make seven. He's not making seven, right? He showed he's not worth seven million dollars. To be honest, like I think five no, is sure. the right number, right? But like, Boston, I mean, Boston doesn't even have that cap space. They do next right? year. Oh yeah, they've got that next okay, year. Okay, but Krejci's, I, Krejci's seven point two five is gone. Rask's seven million is gone. 
but they got a whole lot of other things that they got to figure out, right? So oh, they, they need, need depth up front, fans. right? Let's start with that. They need more than just Bergeron, Pasta, and Marchand, right? Because right. the rest of that core is not doing it, right? So you need to find a lot. Like, yes, they have a lot of players that are kind of, you know, I, I mean, Krejci's not going to, maybe they resign Krejci, but they don't, I mean, he's not going to make Lots. 7 mil here. He's going to make a lot less. But, I mean, they got other things that they got to figure out, right? And again, this is, yeah, this maybe is how spend I on defense. This you is know? how I see this playing out. Is I think you get, I think you can find a way to get Hall and Krejci back for what you're paying Krejci today. So if you gave Hall five and you can give two and a quarter to to Krejci, I think that's a reasonable deal. Given Krejci's going to be thirty five next year, um, I think, and then you can spend the Rask money on defense, bring in two three and a half million dollar defensemen, and you might look a little bit better back there considering they have nothing today um i mean they could bring back mike riley he's looked fine for them he makes one and a half million probably get a slight increase and teams are also i would expect across the board right we've already been told we shouldn't expect the cap to go up for the next two years after this obviously we'll see what happens but like that percentage of money teams in their head were increasing their salaries by they're going to go ahead and decrease by that same amount right so a seven million dollar player two years ago is a five million dollar i see as more like a five million dollar player today so i mean there's going to be some mental math there and it's going to limit how much players make and that's obviously in the benefit of ownership uh we'll we'll see what things look like it's hard for me to um to fathom that buildings aren't full at least in the u.s next by the start of next season right i mean the texas rangers are putting 41 million people in a baseball stadium can't imagine not seeing at least like 10 15,000 in a hockey arena so we'll see what we'll see what happens plus we've got the espn money uh that's coming in we've got still a secondary revenue that's going to come in from the TV market in the U.S., um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's if ultimately stays and the numbers are in five. I just don't think he takes five. Honestly, if if I'm him, like the way I look at Taylor Hall per se is like a player who's trying to get paid for this for his skill, I guess, right? And he's a good player, right? Like I don't think he's bad. Yeah, I, I just think, think that for him, like he's not that he's running out of money. Like he's been, you know, he's made money, yes, but he hasn't made, I guess, as much as maybe you know he maybe wants to make. And he's got a chance here. Like I said, he's he's gotten the opportunity, or at least he's tried, right? Like his big contract he signed was basically what six million dollars with the with his with the Edmonton Oilers. That was basically yeah. the big deal right that 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 was it which six million dollars they're pretty good but you know for a player who once had 90 points which i think is where he's still banking on right hasn't been that player since but i think that's kind of where he's trying to get he's played on again he's played on some pretty terrible teams his entire career right so you think of those edmonton oiler teams were pretty bad Uh, he's only played on terrible teams he's only played on terrible teams he's got 14 career playoff games like he's you know he's played on terrible teams the Edmonton Oilers have been, you know, they were garbage in those seasons, right? The New Jersey Devils have been 
you know, the Devils, they don't necessarily scream offense. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes, oh boy. And then he went to Buffalo and had statistically the worst season ever by his own means, right? So, again, he's he's probably a 25 to 30 goal scorer in the NHL. Let's be real. That's probably what he is. Throw in another 35 yeah. assists and he's probably a 60-point player. That's where he is probably in my mind that's what he is he's banking on 93 points i'm banking on he's probably 65 points um and the good news is is that the buffalo uh sorry the boston bruins could use another skilled forward right but the question comes down to how do you like how do you make the money work which is all what the NHL is about right like we were talking about it earlier right like the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning you know playing cap circumvention here and trying to make everything work like you know teams got to be creative like that to get things done and to me i just feel like the boston bruins have so many things that they have to deal with and they just don't have enough money to do it all like they need to upgrade their defense cuz when if if charlie mcavoy or matt grizzlick get hurt oh man like they I mean, always are <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, look at that game that they played against Washington where they were missing half their defense. Like, they, they got throttled. They got absolutely throttled. And I'm not looking at their defense going, oh, my God, you know, Jeremy Lozon's going to solve this, you know. Yeah. Or Jacob Zabral or Jared Tenorti who keeps getting hammered from behind no matter what. Like, like sure, Mike Riley's a great defenseman on your third pair. <laughs> yeah. So, like, they have... They have issues on defense that I think they need to figure out. They have nine defensemen on the roster, right, for $15 million. <laughs> like, they have yeah. no money spent there. And then they have Tuka Rask, right, Yaroslav Halak. I don't know what they do with either goalie. I think maybe they bring back Halak Warm. at a very reasonable price. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with Tuka Rask. I think that's another, you know, conversation to have for them. Is Jeremy Swayman the answer to this team? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know either. Um, so, I mean, realistically, I think they can probably feel comfortable in saying, like, hey, look, whether we go with Vladar or Swayman, uh, I think if my memory serves me correctly, Rask had already said that this would be his, his last, like, when his contract was over, he was going to retire. I mean, I don't see him changing his mind on that. Like, I don't think so either. And I don't think he has anything. Not that he has he's got nothing left to prove. Play, but like, he's, yeah. he's proven he's a good goal in the NHL. He's won his cups. He's done his stuff internationally. Like, you know. Yeah, he's won a Vesna. He's done everything there is. He's been great for the team. Like, unless he wants to, unless he wants to come back and takes less money to do it. Yeah, um, and it doesn't sound like he would have a reason to be motivated to do that. It's, I mean, if, no. if my memory serves me correctly, like, he didn't participate in the playoffs last year because uh, I think one of his daughters has had an illness. So, like, it's my understanding that he's probably, like, he's going to retire. He's going to play out the contract, and he's going to spend the time with his family. So, um, bring this back, though, to Taylor Hall. One thing I'll note as a comparable, if you look at Mike Hoffman's contract, Mike Hoffman's only making $4 million bucks this year, and he's a 70-point player. Uh, I just I don't think know. Mike Hoffman took less money though to go to a better situation. I think he <laughs> had better. I I think he had better offers on the table on 
worse teams. Sure. And instead of being like Taylor Hall and saying, well, I'll go to these worse teams and bank on them. But I think that's what I think that's what he has to do, though. Like, I think that's just where he is. It's like, yeah, all right, Taylor, you can, if you want to make six million bucks, well, have fun in Buffalo uh, or Ottawa or some other irre- irrelevant team where you're going to go and not score again and hate being there because you're not performing and the media is all over you because you're not performing. Like, I think he just, in my opinion, he just needs to come to grips with like, this is where I'm at in my career. If I want to win anything in my career, if I want to get to that theoretical 30 playoff game mark, <laughs> I'm going to have to suck it up, take less money and play for a good team where I'm in a good situation than just like, what's the most money somebody can pay me? So, I mean, if Boston is that place, I mean, there's certainly a need there. They, they're still going to need that secondary scoring next year. Uh, all right, Chris, so we've hit that point uh, where we're going to take a look at what's happened in the last couple weeks with teams scoring or teams not scoring. Um, so top five teams over the last two weeks for goals scored. Uh, we've got Vegas at one, the Rangers at two, uh, the Wild at three, the Capitals at four, at five. Uh, anybody stand out here for you? Welcome back, Minnesota. <laughs> You've been missed. <laughs> I guess they, I guess they are the real deal ish. Maybe a team that can score a lot of goals and get good goaltending. That's that's new, right? Yeah, and what's interesting for Minnesota is that this wasn't the Kaprasov show. No, like they're leading, they're leading point getter in that two weeks is Nick Benino. Oh, Jesus. Seven points. Seven points in seven games. Nick Benino. Wow. Kevin but Fiala they're still is... deploying Victor Rask on the top line. That's right. Between Kaprasov and Zook. So, yeah. I, mean, I don't know anymore, Minnesota. Can we, like, I'm done. I'm done talking about Victor Rask in the playbook. Like, I just, I, I pull up, like, I see Minnesota's got a nice matchup on paper, right? They were playing San Jose on Saturday. So I pull up, you know, Minnesota's lines, and I'm like, all right, you know, I'm ready to try to see who's centering the big boys. And then I see Victor Rask's name, and I'm like, oh, here we go again, right? I go down, I scroll. He's, I mean, almost free on DraftKings, as he should be, right? And then I'm just sitting there contemplating, going, do I like do I want to do this? Right? Like, why saddle good players with garbage? Right? And that's Victor Rask per se. Like he does he does very little of anything. And here he is just playing between the team's arguably two best wingers right now. Yeah. Um uh... And Kevin Fiala is shooting the puck like he like no one's business. Good. Twenty seven shots in six games. Uh, four goals to go along with that. Uh, and not a crazy shooting percentage either, just fourteen point eight percent. So uh, of course, I mean like many players that as we've discussed it. The shots per game is always up and down, and it can be really tough to predict, right? Eight shots against Colorado, five against St. Louis, and then two against Arizona, 
four against San Jose, then two against San Jose. The minutes for him are all over the place too. Like I don't understand how he's get has games where he only plays thirteen minutes and other games where he's at like seventeen. Like who did you give the other four minutes to? Uh Victor Ask. <laughs> Apparently that's yes, who yes. is getting all these minutes. It's just I don't know like I don't know, man. I like my apology to Victor Rask and his family, but man, this guy is like he's not good. But you look at Victor Rask and he's the same. It's like eighteen oh five game before, thirteen twenty six, fourteen. He should be playing thirteen minutes every game. Yeah, he should be a fourth line center, which is what he previously Why was. Why is Joel Erickson Eck not playing on the top line? Like, can we just? Why did Minnesota not make any effort to go get an actual top six centerman? Because they thought Marcus Johansson was a centerman. Remember when they gave Eric Stahl away and said, oh, we'll take Marcus Johansson the other way. Yeah. And then they're like, hey, but wait a minute. Who's going to play center? (laughs) And then you got like, it's wild because if you look at their lineup, you got a whole bunch of players who apparently have a position at center or who can at least play the position, maybe. Right. Yeah, they'll take a center, a face off. Yeah, 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 like you know, like Nick Bukestad or something, and you, you got a true. whole bunch of those great third, fourth line centermen, and now you're like, oh well, I mean, who's gonna play in the top six though? I mean, I don't think have I haven't seen Marcus Johansson take a face off on the top line. I haven't. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I don't really watch the Wild all that much. That's but, fair, right? That's um, 100%. he does. He did win. 44% of his faceoffs in, in, in that period of time in those seven games. 44%. The other thing, yeah. It's not even good. No, it's not. But he won. So. <laughs> this is the other thing that, that's really strange about, about Minnesota is that, like, everyone's taking faceoffs, right? Like, Benino. Well, yeah, everybody plays face-offs. center. Yeah, taking faceoffs. Parise is taking faceoffs. Johansson's taking faceoffs. Zuccarello's taking faceoffs. Kaprizov's taking faceoffs. Ryan Hartman taking faceoffs. Uh, Rask. Zach Parise is playing on the fourth line, highest paid player <laughs> on that team. Uh, outside, uh, highest paid forward. Along with yeah, along with Ryan Suter, like Jordan Greenway won hundred percent of his faceoffs in that seven games. Probably means there was one, but like Marcus Felino took faceoffs. Everybody Why? plays center <laughs> on that team because they it's it's literally a center by yeah. committee. They have no choice. I, you know what? If we suited up for them, we'd probably take a, a face off at some point. We'd have no choice. And not because we've been kicked, you know, the usual centerman's been kicked out of the face off circle, literally because they'd probably run, you know, three wingers or something, or they have no choice. I'm surprised their power play is just not all wingers. <laughs> well, it is because they don't have any centermen. But I mean, I think that's probably a real factor into like, why has Benino got the most points in the last week? Because he can win faceoffs. He's playing top power play minutes, which again is wild because he's playing on the fourth line. Victor Rask, by the way, is seeing top power play minutes and top line minutes as well, which is also well, wild. It's hard to say top line minutes because he, he his average is fifteen thirty six. That's not quite top line minutes. Like Kaprizov seeing like eighteen minutes, but that's easily uh, from a forward perspective. Uh, if I break this daily out. faceoff has that top line ranked 31st overall in the NHL. Just yeah, not like, a surprise. Just to put we... that into context, right? Like the Detroit Red Wings, the Buffalo Sabres uh, also exist in this league. Yeah. So the... that means 
one of those teams top line is better than yours. And we just kind of, like I said, it's kind of wild that the wild score goals, but like they, they just do. And you're never sure how they do it or why, like they have good players, right? Like, I guess. Right. Um, But it's just, this is a very, you know, team, you know, like there's no superstar per se. Right. But Like, like, if we compared Minnesota to Chicago, right? I think you could somewhat say that, like, the talent levels of those two forward groups isn't crazy different, right? Like, obviously, Patrick Kane stands quite a bit above anybody else here. But when we look at the minutes, like, this is what you expect to see from top minutes from a team that is pushing for playoff positioning. Chicago's top three players for minutes over the last three weeks, Kane, Debrinkat, Doc. Lowest time on ice per game, 19 minutes for Doc. And that completely makes sense. Right. Doc's also coming off of, like, wrist surgery. <laughs> like, why is this, like, how is Minnesota going to win long term? This is a real question I guess I'm going to have. Uh, if there's any Minnesota Wild fans that listen to this, I'd love to hear this. Like, I, I know there's a lot of love for Marco Rossi out there, uh, and he's, you know, potentially the future person who's going to take up that top centerman spot. But, like, who's, like, in the next three years, who's playing 19 minutes at center? Anyone? Marcus Johansson, apparently, right? <laughs> Victor Rask. Victor Rask. There we go. Yeah. I'm going to have to keep talking about him every once in a while. And he's going to be, like, be, yeah, why? it's like, like is I feel like Minnesota looked at what um, Vegas did. Like we don't need center. Vegas doesn't use a center. We don't need a center. We're fine. I mean, we'll Chandler find Chandler Stevenson is also off. a lot better than Victor Ross, though. So we'll yeah. find our Chandler Stevenson off the waiver wire, just like Vegas did. It'll be fine. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's that's their whole strategy here. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, Washington. No surprise. We talked a lot about Washington. Yeah. Pittsburgh scoring goals is is a little bit of a surprise, just because they still don't have Malkin. Um. They still don't have depth. Essentially, it's like it's Crosby, Gunsel, and and Rust, and pray for rain. Another nine guys, and hope somebody can manage to get it in the net. It's uh, a fun team to watch, though. Because they're yeah. giving up goals and they're scoring goals. They are like if you had one of those like XY charts, like they are on the fun side. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're not dull. They are not. They're fun, which is probably not how they want to be coached either, right? You don't want a fun team. <laughs> uh you want a very disciplined team that plays well, uh, strong in your own zone, strong in the offensive zone. You know, you, you control all three zones, right? Which a lot of coaches like to say. Uh Pittsburgh controls no zone. They they got none. They just oh, yeah. go out there and they just wing it. And it's, so far, it's working. If Pittsburgh plays like this in the playoffs, you may oh, see they're going to get trashed. You may see Brian Burke have a heart attack in the press box because he's just going to be up there being like, "You can't play like this." Pittsburgh ah. also has. Uh, Pittsburgh has no first round pick this season, but again, why does that even matter? Because it's Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, they what was the, 
Yeah, when yeah. was the last time Pittsburgh drafted in the first round? Say, fun trivia pick. question. Yeah. Right. Uh, they have a second round pick. They have no third, no fourth round pick. They have a fifth, no sixth, and then, like most teams, a collection of seven. So, um, there's, again, there's a lot of, like, Pittsburgh doesn't have a whole bunch of picks coming up in the next three years there. And this is a team that I think has to kind of start collecting picks. Because, uh, like, Crosby's 33 here, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not counting on uh, Jeff Carter to do very much anymore. Um, you know, Jason Zucker, by the way, he's 29. Jake Gensel's the youngest, I guess, of the the gang, right, yeah. who is talented, right? Brian Russ is actually 28. I thought he was younger, but apparently he's not. And, I mean, what do they have coming up? You know? Well, nothing. But you want to understand? I'll I'll tell you why the Pittsburgh Penguins don't have any first round picks. So these are their first round picks that have happened since they drafted Sidney Crosby, God. Jordan Stahl, okay, then Angelo Esposito, God, Simone Dupre, oh boy, O Bennett, Joe Morrow, Derek Pouliot, Ole Mata, Kasperi Kapanen, and Samuel Poulin. Last one. Asbury Kapanen, who they traded away and then right. reacquired. On, that's right. On that was, believe it or not, in 2014. That was nearly 10 years ago now. Uh, Samuel Pullman was the last time they picked a, They picked in the first round. That was 2019. Kapanen was the last player they picked in the first round before that in 2014. I can appreciate why they're not picking in the first round because it didn't matter. They literally picked one. Sorry, three NHL players in the first round in a what are we talking about here? A sixty. Uh, Didn't they trade Joe Morrow in the deal with Toronto for for? Uh, they might have, yeah. Phil Castle, but like, think about that. Not that it matters, right? Right. It's uh, what two thousand and twenty-one. So I they haven't remember how many like Pittsburgh hasn't drafted in the first round very often. They don't go to the, like they just like they show up to the draft of the yeah. first round, but it must be the longest three hours it, for you, whoever's you know like poor like poor Rutherford just sitting there going like why you, like he he could have yeah. sent a placeholder and just been like <laughs> bro just like that's this is not where I do business. I'll do it before yeah. the trade line. I'll do it you know in the off season or I'll trade and do all these crazy things now. Uh, and I'm assuming Ron Hextall is probably going to do similar here. <laughs> Just you know, yeah, kind of like philosophy. Three NHL players in 15 years. They kind of need to start taking that seriously. <laughs> I feel like, like I feel like yeah, they've been on probably. sleeves for a little bit here, and now they're like, oh, like you know, like when you used to get like a project for school, a teacher gave you three months to do it, and now you're like, you know, there's a week left for us to do, and you're like, hey, maybe I should actually open that, take a look at what I have to do, see if anything's important here, because I mean, when you look at their depth, right? Again, I I know Malkin's out of the lineup here, so we'll pencil Malkin into the you know second center spot, but. I mean, Zucker's kind of had a down season here. And then, like, who do you got playing on the left side? Like, it's not Jared McCann for the rest of the, you know, time existence. Uh, Jeff Carter being there is probably not the solution you want either. And then they have a lot of bottom six guys who are not top nine, who, who are probably not even, you know, top nine players, maybe. 
right? Yeah, no there's not a lot of middle six in there. There's not. There's not a lot. And again, it's very, I don't know, like, it's tough for Pittsburgh. I feel like it's just going to be tough for Pittsburgh at one point. And yeah. they don't necessarily have a bunch of cap space either coming their way here. So, um, right, next season, they apparently have only $3 million of cap space, right? And they got, like, they got three UFAs, uh, four RFAs that they got to figure out. Mark Jankowski, right? Teddy Bluger, uh, Radim Zahorna. I don't even know who he is. Zach Aston Reese being one of them as well. But if not, they also got, like, you know, you got to figure out Colton Sevier, you know, older player. But, you know, you got to figure out those players. Frederick Gauthier is there as well. Evan Rodriguez, like, you know, I guess you can let Cody CC walk, right? But that doesn't make a difference. But like they yeah. got a lot of their bottom six that's either a pending RFA or UFA. And it's not a great way to build your team when you're handing out $700,000 contracts to players because you're not getting the top quality. You're literally bargain bin shopping here. And it's, it's one of those situations where you're going to get, you know, it's going to get really creative right they signed brandon tanev to a massive long-term <laughs> short money you know small money deal which i don't yeah. see why that was needed um but yeah they they have some things that they gotta figure out here and i mean it doesn't look good i'll say that <laughs> it just doesn't look yeah good. it's like the when the wheels come off they're coming all the way off yeah yeah right like should like when the moment comes that like Crosby uh, should the moment come, I suppose that he's not productive anymore. It's like things are going downhill fast. Right. Like, I mean, you look at, I mean, I suppose you could make the case that like they got this year and next year left in the Malkin deal. Yeah. Malkin may, whatever happens there, who knows? Right. He's a guy who's, I mean, he's got nothing left to prove. He'll be like 36. Correct. He very well could retire at that point and say, hey, you know what? I'll go back to Russia and I'll... He might. There you go. We were talking about Ovi going to Russia, right? He might be. I would take him yeah. as the first player to go back to Russia and say, hey, oh. you know what? I've had fun here. You know, it's been fun playing in North America, winning Stanley Cups and, you know, playing with Sid. But, I mean, he could be the first one to just say, yeah. book it, man. I'll go back and play in the KHL for four or five million bucks. And... Yeah, yeah, like he. I mean, he's he's done what he's needed to do in the NHL. What you know, what more do you want from him? Kind of thing, right? Which is yeah. which is fine, right? You can't fault a lot of Russian players who want to go home at some point and just you know play there. It's fine. Well, They've done yeah. their part, especially the when the money's there too, right? Yeah, like it's not just definitely. like it's not just going home. It's like going home and still cashing in. Yeah, yeah, like there's they're think about it, like especially like. You know, Ovechkin and Malkin, like they're rock stars here in the yeah. NHL. You imagine what they are back home, right? Like, they're just as um, big there as they are here. Yeah, like Pittsburgh is gonna. We'll see what they do in like 2022, 23 is kind of when money comes available to them again. We'll see what they do at that point in time, right? Because Crosby's gonna be like thirty five at that point, and have still three years at 8.7 on that deal they're gonna have to really figure things out at that point in time right like if i i can't imagine there's ever a day where they like 
green light a trade of Crosby. It's just would be unthinkable, I think. Uh, given he's already played, you know, today he's played 14 years with, with the Penguins. Uh, you couldn't imagine, like, at 16 years of where they're like, all right, well, you go play 17 and 18 somewhere else. We'll right. pay 4.7 million bucks to get rid of you. You know, our what? But Pittsburgh's Third makeup could change quite a bit here. Like, yeah. they, like, Think about it. Let's let's leave Crosby and, and uh, Gensel out of this because I think they're the two, uh, right? So I mean, Jason Zucker's final year is twenty two, twenty three. He's a UFA in twenty three, twenty four. They only have Gensel and Crosby signed after that in twenty, right. you know, twenty three, twenty four. That's what. That's four years down the line, including this year. Three years like, after this year. Yeah, like the, the think about it. There's twelve forwards on a team, and you got two signed past the four year mark. Like this team could r- drastically look way different in four years offensively oh, yeah. at least. Well, and you can... subtract out Chris Letang at that point in time too, because he's a UFA at 22-23. Yeah. So again, they got like they got some U I mean it's it's kind of a lot of it, right? Malkin becomes a UFA at that point, right? You got Casey the Smith. I mean not that Casey the Smith. I don't <laughs> I'll correct myself before I do that. Uh Chris Letang becomes a UFA at that point as well. Brian Ross becomes a UFA. I guess that's a more important shift for them to kind of yeah. see where they want to spend that money, what they want to do, where this team is going. Like, are they going to start the, I guess, rebuild, if you want to call it? Are they going to call it a retooling, as Mark Bergman likes to call it? Like, what are they going to do, right? Because, like, you can rebuild, I guess, if you want, right? Or you can kind of just add players to a team. Uh, the good news is, is they have Brandon Tanev signed long term, so they don't have to worry about that. Actually, yeah, my apologies. All, all I said will. they only had Crosby and Gensel. Uh, my apologies to Brandon Tanev. He is also signed past the 2023-24 season. So, in case anybody was worried about, you know, <laughs> in your dynasty league about Brandon Tanev and the money that'll cost you, well, you're good, fam. But like theoretically. Okay, so we're going way down the line, and this is a tangent we don't need, but I'm taking this here nonetheless. Uh, I guess maybe they could be in the Alexander Barkov sweepstakes in that season. He's the only, like him, Seth Jones, uh, Adam Fox is listed as being an, an RFA, uh, a UFA, a free agent. He's probably an RFA. There's no way he's not resigning in New York. Um, but that's it, man. Like, you're, you're going to go up and get yourself some more, uh, you know, some Elvis Merzlikens, some, uh, like, you get into, like, some of the older players in that. Johnny Goudreau will be 32. Jad will be 32. Trocek will be 32. But that's not, like, yeah. I guess you have to, as a team that, again, bring us back to where we were, a team that hasn't, that might have, that hasn't picked in the first round, recognize that they might as well not pick in the first round. Like that. I'm glad that you touched on the Rangers here for a moment because I was gonna, because I was gonna touch on them here. They have a lot of, they have a lot of young players on their team. Okay, and they have like they have a problem as of next season. Okay, because they're giving Artemi Panarin a boatload of money. Okay. So let's forget Zabinajad and Strom for a moment because we'll deal with those contracts later. Okay. Like Pavel Buchnevich is an RFA coming up. He's yeah. also what uh second or third on the team in points. 
So I'm he's assuming gonna he's going to want to pay increase from his 3.25 million. Uh, the good news is, is you still got Capocacco locked up to his rookie deal here for another two seasons. Alexi Lafreniere is in his first year of that deal, but you got, you know, you, you have some issues coming up, right? You also have Jacob Truba locked up long-term for too much money. So there's a problem coming in. Yeah. Keandre Miller, by the way, it is looking more like a stud every day. So you still got him for three more years on his RFA deal. Ryan Lindgren needs money coming up this summer as well. Yeah. Uh, Adam Fox is going to be a problem, like you said, because he's probably going to win a Norris one day, and we just you know we haven't seen it yet. Uh, he's twenty feet. He's like they have a lot of RFAs in the next three seasons that need money, and they're not like not good RFAs. They're like RFAs that are like oh. Yeah, we got to sign them. Like we can't just let them walk. Uh, Igor Shosturkin needs money, by the way, next season as well. Uh, and they got, as of this moment, they got what two million dollars in cap space. And as of right coming up to next season, they got <laughs> no expiring 20. deals. Right. So they have twenty-seven million dollars as of next season to spend, and I don't think that's enough money to do what they want to do. At least sign the players that need to be signed. Yeah, I don't think they have. Because you're think looking at a lot of players that need a lot more money, right? They have a yeah. lot of 925 players, just shy of a million dollars. And these are the, you know, your entry-level deals that kind of, you know, take shape or whatnot. But there is a lot. They have a boatload of players. They have up front, okay? Up front, they're forwards. They have five players who make over a million dollars, okay? I mean, one of them makes 11. But if not, Kreider is making 6'5". He's signed for... A million years. Uh, Zabinajaz making 5-3. He's probably going to want money at his 30th year. Uh, Ryan Strom is kind of cashing in on all that success. So he's probably going to want some money. And like I said, Pavel Buchnevich to me is the most interesting one. Because I don't think people realize just how good he is. Because he gets lost with all those other names. But he's quietly putting up a very, very elite season. Which is convenient when you do it in your you know, contract here, right? Yeah. But, like, <laughs> this is one of those situations where, I don't know, man. Like, if there's a, like, because, right, you're talking about Pittsburgh here in this case. Like, we know teams just at one point dump players because they either can't sign them or do we see teams starting to send out those offer sheets and not necessarily have to go too far here to push the Rangers, but, you know, we're talking about again earlier about players and their signing bonuses, right? If you throw enough money at a player up front for a team, you know, the Rangers have money, they well, pay for it. But I mean, you got to find a way to make it work. Keep in mind, right? If a team, essentially a team putting an offer sheet out on Pavel Buchnevich would be doing the Rangers a favor, right? They get like a collection of first round picks out of the deal and like, I mean, I think Buchnevich will get traded because he's going to probably what's best case scenario, right? Like four and a half over three years, you can't afford that. No. So like he has to get traded. He's putting uh, up what? 50 points this season. Yeah. If he continues yeah. on this trend, like that's he's right. knocking on the seven mil, seven but, mil, seven year. That Like that's what his agent's going to start the conversation with. Like he's looking right. at it in cr- like a, a crazy page. Like let's put it into perspective. Chris Kreider's making six and a half for a boatload of years. Like his agent's going to turn around and say, "Well, I'm, you know what? I, I I like what Kreider's making. Can I have some of that? Right? Mika's a bit of jazz making five three. So it, agreed. 
right? And like Zabinijad's two years older. I mean, Strom's a year older. He's signed a his bridge deal would have been four point five, right? So yeah, I mean, I think Buchnevich has to get traded because I think if you're gonna pick between Buchnevich and Shesterkin, you're gonna resign Shesterkin. Yeah, no doubt, right? Um, I think they'll get guys like Philip Heedle. You'll get Julian Gauthier. You'll get, you know, Brett Howden. You get those guys done at a million bucks probably without too much trouble. Bridge deals. They're fourth line players. Um, you'll they'll save four and a half million bucks on Brandon Smith. But yeah, like otherwise, like they're gonna have they're to also, they, they also have to buy out Anthony D'Angelo at this point. Right. Uh so. One of the interesting things I heard was that a lot of people had expected D'Angelo to get traded at the deadline, but it didn't happen, and that he'll get moved in the offseason. That'll be really interesting. I don't know, like, at this point, like, if you're going to acquire Anthony D'Angelo, like, you're not paying anything, right? Like, you're, like, at 3.675 million, you're like, okay, so we'll... Like, can we do this on future considerations, like a seventh rounder or something that turns into a sixth if he plays 40 games and doesn't go to jail? Here's the wild thing about <laughs> Anthony D'Angelo, okay? Apparently, the Rangers are willing to buy him out and say, hey, look, we'll yeah. let you go away. And apparently, the Montreal Canadiens had an offer for him right. and his agent at that point. And he he elected, thank God. He elected and be like, no, I'd much rather stay home and cash my check at this point. Thank you very much, which is fine, <laughs> as he should, uh, because that's where probably where he deserves to be. It was mind boggling to me, right? Because I listen, right? I I mean, I get a fair dose of the Montreal Canadiens, I would say. And I listen to Mark Bergevin talk about character and talk about good guys in the room and talk about bringing in quality players. And then you hear Tony D'Angelo's name. And you just go, you know, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, what what are you talking about? Yeah, this was really interesting. Like, I listen to, like, the the SiriusXM NHL radio shows. Well, I listen to, like, one of the radio shows for, like, half an hour every day. And they were talking about how everyone that was in the Rangers organization has nothing but good things to say with Anthony D'Angelo. And I'm like, that's, you know what? The math okay. here is bad. You can't tell me that everyone in that organization is like, he's you know, punching actually, Tony... his starting goalie in the face. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Like he, allegedly let's that. Allegedly, but plus you still have the junior incident. Yes. Right. That he had in Sarnia. And it's like, Sorry, guys. You you can't like you can't say that. Like you know, no. Tony's a good guy. He just punches people in the face. Punches Those people in the face. He says certain say. things that he shouldn't. You know, yeah. imagine coming to a market where English isn't even in the, even the like the oh, yeah. first language of the team. Like it's just imagine. I'm, yeah, imagine that press conference where he just takes God. on French questions for for oh, ten minutes God. and just. I couldn't. Like I like I'm looking around, going. I don't care how much veteran presence you think you have <laughs> like you're not i just i thought it was wild that you know bergevin would consider it. it's not like 
when they signed Alexander Semin as like a test yeah. project and it didn't end up working. You're like, that's fine. You know, you just, you know, you toss him out of here. It's not one of those low risk deals where you sign Kovalchuk and then you get a pick out of it. And, you know, all that fun stuff. Where you're like, all right, that's fine. You know, Bergevin used to say, you know, low risk, high reward. Well, you know, Anthony D'Angelo is high risk, very little reward, even if it's on ice reward. Like it's, it's, it's well, very little. Yeah. And like, where, what was, how is he going to make the team better? He's not playing on your power play. Well, no, you because you got more offense on Shea Weber, power play time, who is declining at a very rapid rate here. Um, I, I, I just, I thought that was wild. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. It sounds like he'll probably get traded. I, the Rangers will probably eat some of that money, but um, I think the Rangers are just going to buy him out and take the loss here and let him deal with his stuff. I mean, they don't have the. I, I, I no, I'm not going to say they don't have the room. I'm sure they don't want to spend the money to buy him out. I'm sure yeah. they'd like to find a dance partner. I think uh, they could package him. Maybe they end up packaging him with Buchnevich to get him out of town. I don't know, but they got a lot of money like tied up, especially yeah. this. They're paying almost 13 million dollars to have uh one two three four players not play for their team so uh that's again why right. <laughs> yeah dan girardi is still getting paid and he is an assistant i think now on the sabers <laughs> i think so I mean, they're uh, still they're paying six million for Kevin Shattenkirk to be somewhere else, and five point five for Henrik Lundqvist to, you know, yeah. take time to heal and stuff. But again, so, that's that's yeah. something. So, I mean, yeah, I guess that's where the money will eventually come from, right? Like next year, they they they're free of eight million dollars just in those. I mean, Brad Richards apparently must must have signed the Bobby Bonilla deal. He's showing like zeros and cap friendly because he's got (laughs) right, which means there must be a future spot there. He is making money again from the Rangers, but But like you said, they're going to free up about eight million dollars there, so you can find money to, I guess, yeah, it's there. They could pay Butchnevich, maybe pay Shusterkin and Butchnevich collectively if you're lucky. Eat just eat the D'Angelo contract if you have to, right? And there's still probably be enough money, just burn it. Yeah. At this point, but please, New York Rangers staff, do not, do not catch MB drinking late at night and be like, "Hey, <laughs> Anthony D'Angelo, <laughs> our organization has great things to say about him." If you don't do any Google searches about him, you're, you're gonna love him. Yeah, just never look at his Twitter profile. Uh, tell your staff to avoid looking at that, and things will be just fine. Um. Uh, anyways, uh. <laughs> We'll, I'll, I'll touch on the goals against over the last five. It's, it's the Devils, the Kings, the Blue Jackets. Uh, the Lightning is the surprise here. Uh, they've suddenly, well, I say suddenly, but really Vasilevsky goes through these periods uh, where he isn't very good. He seems to have like a week or two every year. This must be that time. Uh, he'll be fine. The Lightning will figure things out. They've got injuries, obviously. Uh, I would probably bet against them in the short term. Uh, and, and the San Jose Sharks, surprise, surprise, Martin Jones is still Martin Jones. Uh, Devin, Devin Dubnik is now in Colorado. Not that he was any good in any start for, for the Sharks. But um, anyways, we will we will get out on those notes. Um, thanks for making it this long with us, folks. 
Uh, we'll see you again next week. And uh, you can find us in the chat if you've got questions.